Hello and welcome to tonight's episode of Talking Toffees with me, Peter, and co-host Andy. Tonight we're joined by Paul, Dan and Adam as we reflect on what has been a rough last few days for our fans with the Taylor fan payment with Charleston and the news of what was rumoured to be an imminent takeover for and through. Um, well, at the moment it looks like it's fell through, but maybe all not lost, given some rumours earlier this afternoon. Um, but lads, there's only one place to start, unfortunately. Um, and that is the sale of Richarlison. Probably we all in agreement it was inevitable, but still it does sting quite a bit. Um, Tottenham have signed them for 50 million with a further 10 million in add-ons. Um, just firstly on that point, I, I had the feeling it was inevitable. Maybe you know I'm wrong. You can correct me on that. For you, lads, um, are any of you disappointed in Richarlison for actually wanting to leave? Uh, start with yourself, Paul. Is there any disappointment towards the player? Um, no, in, in a way, no, not really. Um, we've we've had a conversation about Richarlison for quite some time now, um, of the last year or so, and in all honesty, I, I was quite surprised. Uh, we had him at the start of this season. I thought that he'd be looking to move on when Carlo Ancelotti left. But he, he gave the club another season, so that's that's like good for him. Um, I'm not surprised that he wanted to leave. I think after this season, he's he's probably fell for him. Uh, there's a World Cup coming up. He's got aspirations of playing in the Champions League. And I think when we've... When we've Lost players in the past, they've wanted to play in the Champions League. Um, they've not really earned it. Whereas I think with Richarlison, that what he's given us over the last four, five seasons, he's been he's he's stood up and been counted every single game. Um so not a surprise to me that he has left. And I do wish him all the best. It's a surprise the club that he's joined, in all honesty. Um I would have expected them to have joined maybe PSG. Chelsea even. Why why is it a surprise? I just for me, I think like look and this isn't a less shit on Tottenham um rant here for me. I just feel that there are better teams that I envisage Richardson playing for. And I think to be fair, I think he could do a lot better. Uh Tottenham are, Tottenham are a good side, got a really great manager in Conte and the they're playing in the Champions League next year. So I get the attraction from that point of view. I just think that for me, as an Everton fan, knowing that we were, it wasn't so long ago that we were on an even keel, should we say. Now we, we're selling our best player to them. Um, it just, it rankles a little bit for me. It's a bit of a sore one. But again, I've got nothing against Richarlison. He, he, he stuck around. He, his goals kept us up ultimately. And I wish him nothing but the best. And Adam, bringing you in on this now, um, obviously just picking up on what Paul said, if you just go back to the Richarlison himself, I think it was common knowledge he did want to leave. You know, he didn't hand in a transfer request or, or you know, wouldn't seem like he made any demands. But are you in any way sort of angry, pissed off, disappointed in Richarlison or do you share what Paul no. said? That, no. No, I think um, in terms of the way... Uh, star player leaves the club he necessarily didn't do anything wrong I mean we used to have Lukaku constantly coming out in every international break hinting 
flirting with other clubs. Um, I mean, with the Charleston, like there's not, not really any criticism that I've got of him, only just to carry on what Paul's just said about the fact that he's chose to go to Tottenham. I mean, I suppose in terms of that, our hands were pretty tied with trying to get him out the door as quickly as possible due to the current situation that we're in, which I'm sure we'll get into in a bit further further down the line tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, like like Paul said, it's, it's quite frustrating because you you look at us, we've obviously got a very printed view on Tottenham because we were pretty much in the same situation as Tottenham and Tottenham have clearly moved on. They've gotten better, they've recruited as well, they've got a world-class manager in a brand new stadium. Um, whereas we've declined, you could you could arguably say that that, that passage was there for us to, to be made a few years ago, um, which will obviously leave a lot more of a bitter taste in our mouths rather than anybody else. Um, but no, in terms of what he wanted, it's understandable. He's pulled us through um, at times. I mean, I'm a bit disappointed about the fee. Um, that's purely because we, we watch him every week. We know what, what he can offer. Um, if you look at his stats, I think his goals are one in three, which... Probably isn't great considering he's Brazil's number nine, but if you put that into context, he isn't a direct striker. He usually plays on the wing. Um, he's been injured uh, quite quite a few times because he does take a few kicks every now and then. Um, and also, there's been times where he's been left to starve up, up front on his own in, in a dire team that doesn't play attacking football. So once you put all that into context, and also with the clips that came out, against Palace at home in, in the dressing room. You see that he's a big character in the dressing room. It's, it's, a, it's a big loss on and off the field. Um, and just to carry on what Paul said, I do wish him all the best luck in the world. And I just hope he, he plays terrible against us, but lights it up to Spurs, to be honest. Yeah, no, I agree with what you both said. Um, I don't have a bad word to say about him. When you look at how past players have conducted themselves, they've actually taken the moves. I think Richarlison... If, if Everton was showing ambition off the pitch and they were looking like they were going in the right direction with the right additions, being basically signing players of the same quality as I don't think he would have wanted to do that anyway. Definitely not to Tottenham. And I don't think it's a case that he, he's needed to go to Tottenham. It's just been, there's nothing keeping him in Everton now at 25. And it's Champions League football that he needs. And Tottenham just seems to have benefited from the circumstances. And I agree, you know, with you, Paul. I, I think it does it because it's Tottenham. They're not a bigger club than Everton, but as we know, it's not about who's a bigger club. It's for the player here and now. Tottenham are everything we want to be. You've got the stadium we're building, the stadium mm. they're in the Champions League. We're still aspiring to get there, which we've been trying to since Martinez. So you can't fault them, can you? And I think you nailed it there, Adam, about Lukaku. It was so toxic before he even left because it was so obvious he wanted out that there was no love for him. He, he was the best goal scorer I've, I've, I've saw in the Premier League year, but there's no love for him because he, he just didn't care for Everton, whereas Richarlison made a promise that he would keep Everton up. And at that time, when he made that promise, I think we were five points adrift after Burnley went to beat Watford. So it was a big thing to come out and say, but he stuck to it. So I've got nothing bad to say. And, you know, I think... It's just a case of, you know, when he goes play against us, another Tchaikovsky challenge will come in on him and we can go and miss. And that's nothing against them. It's just that's, that's potty, isn't it? You know what I mean? But other than when he's playing Everton, then, you know, I do hope the best for him. And I could see him coming back, even if it's towards the end of his career in the new stadium. It, it, I, I'm not convinced 
that's him done with Everton. But as you say, Adam, we'll come on to it later about the circumstances around it. But I think just in terms of Richarlison wanting to go, I think, you know, although we all love Everton, we're all football fans as well, and we understand the game. And I think nobody could really deny him that. Uh, for you, Dan, you shared that view that, you know, from Charleston's point of view, he, he's had to make that move. Yeah, I pretty much uh, mirror what's been said by you. Um, but I'd say, like with Richarlison, he's one of the most misunderstood players, I'd say, outside of Everton fans. Like, So the relationship as well was quite unique with him, with the fans. I'm sure the Tottenham fans, if he's played in the right way, they'll get a similar thing. But that's why I think it is kind of, you know... We sell good players all the time, but this one is different because you, you can tell, like you say about Lukaku, he didn't give a shit about Everton. He only cared about himself. Um, and he's still, you know, look at him now. He's still doing stuff like that, Lukaku. He's just, it's what he's like, in it? But yeah. Rich Allison's always just let his, his play and do the talking, I think. It, there's never been a doubt that he's going to go to a better club because he's always performed. At that not level. a better club. Not a better club. They're just in a better position. That's Sorry, what I mean, just... yeah. No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, no one's no, better. no one's better than Everton, then. <laughs> yeah, better in terms of performance on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I, I, I'd say yeah, it is surprising. I thought he might go to uh, a different league. To be honest, a few months, you know, I thought he might go to Real Madrid or something like that at one point. Um, yeah, Spurs just a weird one. It makes you think: Are we that? It is obviously linked to how desperate we were to get that money before the end of the financial well, year, yeah. isn't it? You, you so. can't really, you can't talk about the sale without coming on to the fee. Uh, yeah. And obviously, Adam's raised it, and I agree with him. I'm not, I'm not best pleased with it myself because I think the add-ons. I know it might not reflect it on paper, but I think the reality is this Dali Ali, ten million. We all, I think that will come into it in terms of the add-ons as well. So I'm not convinced it will be more than fifty mil. Andy, for you, it's 60 mil on paper, but the reality is it's 50 up front. For you, in terms of that fee, what, what would you hope for? Or do you think, you know, it actually is a fair fee for him in terms of his ability? I was saying just before we come on the podcast, before that, I think it's a little bit disappointing given that that's how much we pay for them. And you could argue that uh, that's over the odds uh, at the time. But given that we, we've bought him and he's Played relatively well this season. You know, he's got us out of a difficult spot. Um, he's got more Brazil caps underneath his belt. And the clubs that he was touted to, like PSG, and as Dan just mentioned there, like Real Madrid was getting talked about. I had in my mind around that 70 to 75 mil range, that that mark. So to wear 50 million with this 10 million add-on, it doesn't feel like it suited Everton. Really, it was more sort of, it sort of suited Tottenham and they got a better deal out of it than than what we did. We should be demanding more than that, in, in my opinion. But that's obviously the, the shit show that's been going on behind the scenes for a while now. That's the uh, repercussions of it, I suppose. Yeah, the, the thing is, with, with the transfer fee, it's hard when you're talking to other football fans because a neutral football fan will will give you a, a value in terms of how they see it. But the value of Richarlison is his value to Everton and nobody else. So... It's not a case of how much is he worth, it's how much is he worth to Everton. And in terms of what he brings on and off the pitch, like for me, I remember when we went after Sahar, it was 90 million we were quoted about three years ago, and Palace stuck to it. 
And if nobody paid 90 million, they can go anywhere and they've kept hold of their player. Grealish, 100 mil. Um, I think Rafinha will go for more at Leeds as well. And I just think if we were ranked competently, I think we could have held out for more. I think we could have created a bit more. And also, he's got two years left on his contract just before the World Cup. Now, obviously, normal circumstances in the summer, the World Cup gets played and then you make the sale because he adds value that the World Cup's not till winter. But if Everton were ran confidently, it would have all been on our courts to demand what we would have wanted. And it, for me, it would have been a case of a silly fee to act as a deterrent. And if that is not met, it doesn't go anywhere. There is an argument when you're looking at his numbers that it's not actually that by the fee, but I think I think Adam touched on, on it before, especially after that Palace game when the Everton cameras went into the dressing room. What he gives you on and off the pitch is worth so much more than, than that, especially when there's not a lot left now in terms of who can provide the goals at Everton. We're not in a position to bring in a player of his quality, I don't think, given... I don't think we're that attractive as a proposition. The only way we can do that is if we find a hidden gem. And then you've got to trust the club scouting system, which I don't at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but in fairness, they'll well only in time. Um, so, yeah, that's my stance on, on the thing. Um, but obviously, we know why it was so cheap because of our side. Um, just for yourself there, Dan, what's your view on the 60 mil? Is it, you know, it, are you the same as ourselves, but disappointed, or do you think actually it's, it's not too bad a, a fee for them? No, I mean, I do think it should have been 75 or something like that. Um, I've had people, like, obviously, some of my mates saying he's an average player, you should be, you know, counting yourself lucky and all that. But well, those mates be car fights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. It's just, it's, I don't know. Definitely, definitely should have been more. But, like you say, it's, we're not in the position to, do anything about it, are we? It's, yeah. It is just, you can't talk about anything without thinking about how badly we're run. Yeah. I do think we might be the worst run club in the Premier League, it's probably. Been, you're it's, right. you know, yeah, it's it brewing towards a complete rant at this board, but just before we get there, <laughs> just play devil's advocate because I do agree with the fee. I'll put it to you, Adam. So last season, the Charleston scored 10. 10 goals, 5 assists. Um, the season before that, seven goals and three assists. So those stats alone, when you look at that fee, not just the fee, but also is it that big a blow? Can Everton adequately replace ten goals? Given we've just got well fifty mil up front, do, do you think? Do you think because of our love for him as fans, maybe cloud his ability? Do you think he could be that a scenario where the fans maybe overhype him because? There is that love for him, or, or do you think it is that sort of intangible value to Everton that, that he brought? Can't see that argument. Um, I mean, let's let's be honest. We don't come away from the game every week thinking, "Wow, he's really lit that game up there." I mean, there's times where you walk away from out the, come out the ground and you think you could just tell from the from kickoff he weren't up for that then, and you can tell by the way he carries like the way he carries himself, his reactions when when things don't go his way. Um, so I, I can see why someone could argue that the fee would be low. Obviously, I'm looking at a two-tinted glass, so I'm, I will never agree that 50 million is the right price, but I can definitely see the argument. Um, I probably wouldn't go as high as Andy. I probably would have said 
60 million, I would have said would be a fair price when any add-ons on top of that, because I'd assume that the add-ons could be something like Tottenham winning the Champions League, which is just highly unrealistic. Um, or like you said, just to do with past deals that we've done with Tottenham, um, just to soften our blow a bit. But uh, I think, like you said, Peter, it was inevitable that either Richarlison or Carvalhoon was going to go. I think if you would have asked me mid-season, I would have said to get rid of Carvalhoon. Um, I think now the season's finished, we've stayed up, and I'm looking at the grand scheme of things. I think I would prefer Richarlison to be the one to go as much as it did here. Um, I don't necessarily think we need to buy a direct replacement for Richarlison, considering the way we play now and the way we want to play. Um, I just feel like we can buy a suitable winger who could fit into our system relatively well for a third of the price that we've sold Richarlison for. Maybe that could be the players we've been linked with so far. Um, in relation to the players we've been linked with so far, you know, we take them with a pinch of salt. Um, it's disappointing, obviously, to read that we're constantly getting the links with players who have gone down with Premier League clubs or we're getting links with players who play in the Premier League, you know, but I'm sure some of you might agree that we should, like you said, Peter, at least look like we've got a scouting system in place. So, like like I said, the club will have known either one of them players will be going. In, in, if, if the club is well run, there should be target lines up there to get, get in within a few days, straight away. One, two, and three. If one's not available, we go for two. If two's not available, we go for three. And I'm, I feel uh, uh, now that we will be looking now we've sold, which is know what? the wrong way around. I think that is why probably fans are so disappointed to lose to Charleston because at a functional club, you would have a certain amount of confidence that he would be replaced. So, for example, when we lost Lescott years ago, that was disappointing, but you knew Moyes had sort it because of how we operated and we recruited and I think that's that, that's the thing and pose the interesting thing you said there Adam in that you wouldn't necessarily go like for life because the way we're going to play that's it isn't it now in terms of that money we don't know how much Lampard will have to spend but it's whether you go with looking to get someone else up front to play alongside Lewin or whether he looks to use that money around the park maybe get winger in for a third of that price and then maybe get the number six in uh, and leave Lewin. Do you know, it, it's hard to know. Like, for, for, for you, Paul, like, how would you go about trying to replace the Charlton? Would you look for an out now striker? Would you look for a winger? How, how would you go about it? Well, the first thing I do, and Adam's just alluded to it, and I'm pretty, pretty sure we had this conversation exactly this point last year. We need to sort our recruitment out. First and foremost, before you even look, uh, bringing potential players in, you need, as Adam said, you need a plan A, you need a plan B, and you need a plan C. And for, I know, like, you, you, you can't take too much out of links at the moment. Um, but links with the likes of Harry Winks, Jesse Lingard, if, if they're the type of player that we're genuinely looking at bringing in, then for me, it'll just be. Nothing's changed and we've learned nothing at all. Um, Harry Winks in particular, he'd be a player, I imagine, who would come in for a loan maybe, but initially we were talking £20 million. If we spent £20 million on him, we'd be letting him go the same way we're, we've done with Gilby Sigurdsson and Chang Tosin. 
maybe no. letting them go for, for nothing in four years' time. So for me, our scouting system and whether this review has um, started already, whether they've identified the problems, but our scouting system needs a complete overhaul. We need to be looking for proper value for money rather than going for the likes of Brennan Johnson. Now they're at Nottingham Forest in the Premier League. We should be going after the next Brennan Johnsons and the, the likes of those players, lads with resale value. Um, for me, I, I do take Adam's points. Um, I, f- from my point of view, I'm looking at, I would have preferred to sell Calvert-Lewin from a financial point of view, just because it looks so much better for the financial fair play and then we'd be allowed to spend more money. But if you do sell Calvert-Lewin, he's our only out-and-out striker. The other one, Salomon Rondon, and he's, he's nowhere near good enough. So I do understand that uh, Salomon Charleston is probably... It's an odd one to take, but it's probably necessary for the long-term picture with the squad. Um, you could you could probably find a, a similar player to Richarlison for less than you'd you like going out and signing an all-out number nine and out-and-out striker. They they cost a ton. So um, I know the likes of uh, Emmanuel Dennis at Wofford are being linked, and I'm not like bowled over, but. Again, they're being linked for twenty million pound less than that. I think he's the right age. I mean, I've not seen so much of him at Watford, but he's the type of profile that Everton should be looking at—a younger, younger player with a bit of potential and a bit of quality. And but if they just, perform, great. Salomon. Just on him, Paul Emmanuel Dennis. His numbers yeah. are better than the Charlesons. The better than the Charlesons. Yeah, and like I don't really—I take that with a pinch of salt because I watched the Charlesons score. A few good goals against Arsenal, but it's not disallowed. So yeah, VAR's done him in. But that Dennis has scored ten goals and and he's got six assists this season. In, in obviously, yeah, team than Everton. He's uh, only, I think he's only like twenty four. So on paper, he looks like mm. be a perfect replacement. But I'm not, you know, I'm not for a second suggesting better than Charleston. Well, I said off air before um, with Richarlison, probably it was one of his. Poorer seasons at Everton. It was just the goals he scored when he scored them. They, they were very important goals. So for me, with the fee, I pro I would have been happy with seventy million. I mean, sixty million. Just I don't know. It it, it don't, I don't feel it reflects his value. I think seventy million tops would have been sound. He was getting linked to Barcelona only two years ago for eighty million pound, and even then we were we were saying, oh, you need to pay more than that if you want him. So I think 70 would have been a bit more fitting of his value. But to, to answer your question, we just for me, we've got to get our, our scouting spot on. And we've got to we've got to like Moy said years ago, you live and die by your recruitment. And the reason we sold Richardson for the price we have in the circumstances we have is because our recruitment hasn't been good enough over the last couple of years. We've got to get that right before we yeah, but you, do you notice know, as well the mindset of our fans, and this isn't a criticism because I'm the same. We're having conversations about who we'd rather sell, Lewin and Charleston. Do you think there's any other fans in the Premier League talking like that? No. In the new season? I no. don't even reckon newly promoted teams are talking about which are the two best players we'd rather sell. No, no, no club is being run into the ground like this. And I think because it is what it is, we've sort of normalised it. It's not normal to be talking about who we'd rather sell. Like both of them should be at Everton next season. 
Yeah. It, it can't happen, obviously, because the way we've been ran and what have been sold, but it, it, it makes you think like that there's a lot of like clubs aren't even a fraction of the size of Everton who wouldn't entertain selling the, the better players. And if they did, they will go at a premium. Um, yeah, but it, it all comes back to the same people on that. Andy, for you, how do we replace Richarlison? Is it a striker or a winger or just spread that money around? I know it's a tough question because I don't think anyone knows or anyone's that confident that we're going to see much of this 50 million. Um, but in an ideal world, we have all the 50 mil. How would you like us to spend it in terms of positions on the pitch or personnel that you'd like? I think there's a few positions on the pitch we need to, to bolster that. As I mentioned there, with Dominic Carvalhoon up front, especially with his, his injuries recently, we need someone else in there. And I completely agree with Paul in terms of the recruitments. We need to be looking at younger players, something to prove uh, players then are going to have a sell-on value. Because for far too long now, we've been signing players coming into the late 20s, even if you look at the likes of Alan, Decore, you know, it's unlikely we're going to get them feedback that we've laid out uh, over the years. The likes of, you know, Snardel and we've ended up taking a couple of million for them after paying uh, 20-odd for them. So we need to get that recruitment right in terms of not just personnel, but the, the progression of players as well. And if they do well, we are going to have that sell on value um, moving forward. I'd like to see a, a winger coming in. Uh, I think Damari Gray, he, he started really well last season, um, become a little bit inconsistent. But Anthony Gordon, who's going to go from strength to strength, I'm sure. But I think we need to improve in that area as well. But then, you know, after that, you start looking at Alex Awobi going to be out in the wings. And obviously, Townsend's got a bad injury in that. Um, and I'd like to see another striker at the club as well, uh, someone coming in. And touching on before, saying about it's a shame with Tottenham and that we almost seen ourselves as quite level with Tottenham and then they've overpassed us. We've got to be careful of other clubs around us. Talking before about like um, not having anyone ready. If you look at the likes of Aston Villa, before they lost Jack Grealish, as soon as that transfer was made, they already had four or five signings lined up. You know, the likes of Leon Bailey coming in. Um, so And that's Aston Villa. You know, we're, we're, a, we're a better than a bigger club than Aston Villa and we need to be having them fundamentals right from the start. So we're going to get, we're going to get passed by by these clubs that you know, around the you know, mid-table teams that and obviously we finish lower than them, but we're better teams than them and we're going to get passed by over the next couple of years if we don't get our shit together, in my opinion. Yeah. And look, it all come, it's all pointing in the same direction, so we may as well get on to them. And that's the majority shareholder, the Shady on the board. Um, I'm sure we need to form an orderly queue now before we start tearing to bits. But if we just go back this one bit before the Richardson sale, that there was a statement from Machiri um earlier in the month and it was basically an apology um that mistakes had been made and that he pledged to deliver the new stadium. Now for me, I was encouraged by that at the time. Um I thought that's unusual, you know, to come out on candle and make yourself accountable. He obviously didn't delve into what the mistakes were, which again I thought was reasonable because there's no points in the dating laundry to everyone. Um, and I assumed because he highlighted that there would have been mistakes, the logical next step would be that you you change things to, to rectify. Um, so just on the statement first, let's start with yourself, Adam. What did you make of what Rashidi had to say? Did it did they do anything for you at the time? I mean. 
I probably take a different stance on the way we should communicate with the fans. With, with I think with with Mashiri, I don't think he should really say a lot. Usually, what he does say is the wrong thing. So I think the less said by him, the better. I mean, that letter that he drafted, that will have probably been drafted by someone other than Mashiri, which has been gone through rigorous checks to make sure there's nothing incriminating in that letter before finally it gets submitted. I mean, a lot of people. I just don't really know what people would expect them to say. I mean, I'd love for them to come out and absolutely slate his decision to appoint Rafa Benitez as the manager, but he's just never going to do it. Um, and I feel like the letter was it, it said a lot, but not very much. That type, that type of vibe I got from the letter. I mean, yeah, I, I think I prefer the club personally doing business quietly. Like I remember when we got brand to the door and we had Kuman as the manager every sign and nobody knew a single thing about it until the day before it got announced I think that's just a much better way to go about business in terms of it being in the public eye I mean as fans we do have a right to know things and I think fans can sit down at AGMs and discuss matters that in that way and that can be fed back to people like ourselves from shareholders and whatnot or via a live stream but I think to be I don't just to, just to finish on my point, I don't really know what fans are expecting them to say. I mean, it was pretty obvious that it weren't going to say a lot. And it was just a letter just to keep people happy. And it might have made some people happy. It might have made some people angry. It, I, think it, I think it was a very controversial outcome on the statement. Yeah. But personally for myself, it didn't do, didn't do anything positive or negative for me. Fair enough. I, I think for myself anyway, I thought at the time it was encouraging. I agree with you. I think that was a, a boss point you made. I think the majority of us, well, well, I, I agree anyway that Evans should be doing business quietly. I, I know we all love to, to hear rumours and stories, but to be honest, they just end up, they end up pissing me off, especially on social media with certain people um, where ITK is a badge of honour. And, and especially when they're anonymous, I think it's quite tragic for a grown adult to act that way. But I agree with you, you'd rather it was old school where you just a story broke and it was a new sign and you're like, you know, that, that's a good deal. That whereas it feels like it drags on for three or four weeks, three or four weeks because everything's leaked. Um but I think I think because of how bad the season was, I, I did think something was needed. I don't know what I think you're right. As a billionaire businessman, what what can you expect him to say? He's not gonna start sliding Ken Knight. Baxendale off it in, in an open statement that that won't happen. Um, so I agree that it was limited in, in, in the content, but I thought there was enough there for me at that time to think, well, if he's acknowledging mistakes, then normally when mistakes are made and then acknowledged, change follows. That That's what I took from it. But obviously, even after a few weeks, things don't look to be changing too much anyway, from what I can see. I think see. it's one of them, Peter. It's like you, members of parliament have a strict code where they have to be singer from the same hymn sheet in public, but behind closed doors, you can completely disagree. And if that's made public, one of them will lose the job or resign all of a sudden. And I think that's probably the same way it is at Evan. And you're not going to get a controversial letter from an owner or a majority shareholder yeah. for the fans. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that's spot on. I think it probably said as much as it could say. And then the question is, if it said so little, then was it needed? Adam, what, what did you make of the statements? Um, did it do anything for you, or was it just sort of? 
Yeah, I mean, I was hoping like this just means he's realised. Well, I, I honestly I don't know who's to blame for after stuff. Like I'm really there's so much stuff that comes out. I'm shit at all. Um, like you say, a lot of people think they're in the boardrooms and they know everything, but I think. I was hoping it meant he's realised like he has no fucking clue what he's doing. So just let Lampard and Thelwell do their thing. But then now all the talk about the takeover made me think, well, is he is he that committed or is he just now realising like I'm not asked, I, I'm, I've made a mistake here. And I don't know about you, but every time I see a picture of him now, I just get annoyed. Like his face annoys me now. I know that's not like... Good analysis. Do you know what, Dan? Do you know when I see the fucking Everton badge? That starts to annoy me. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's, it's the one permanent Teddy. It's, like, it's like he's playing it. Playing it, being a, a an owner of a team. Like, he doesn't... And it's like, we're paying money to go watch this every week. We almost got relegated because of how badly you've run this. And now it's just... Uh, what, what I've seen today as well, obviously... This one's not that bad, but it said, you know, Thelwell had no say in Richarlison being sold. I've seen that rumour. That's fair well, enough. I, I thought, I thought um, sorry, Dampin interrupted. I thought that was common knowledge. Again, I just thought that was someone trying to wear, again, this ITK is a badge of honour. I thought that was common knowledge because we had to make the sale. Yeah, exactly. So, of course, a director of football is not going to have a say in if a football club had sold the Premier League, they, they'll make a sale by the end of the financial year, then it doesn't matter what the director of football says, does it? Do you know what in I mean? all honesty, Everton didn't have a choice in yeah, that's Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. So what what would it have mattered what Delwell said? We, we had to make a sale, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, what the, the thing with that is when i seen that today, I thought it's setting the seeds for these, for the rumours to start that yeah. Delwell's not... And then the fans are going to get angry again. And it's just... You know, I'm I'm getting annoyed at people that I don't know all the time. Like, I see Mashiri's face and I get angry. And then the same with, like, you know, some of the hate towards Ken, right? Like, I think we all agree, maybe, you know, it's time for him to go. But I'm sure I've seen something like someone hoping for him to, like, die the other day. And I was like, all right, this might yeah. be a bit far, but... Like, well, that's you it's know bad, isn't it? Like, yeah, that that that's one, that's one not bad. I think. Yeah, no, but uh, yeah, exactly. I know what I, I know who you're referring to. Um, one of it gets blown up on, and everyone talks about it. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um. And, well, look. In terms of going on about the owner and the board, just to be clear, because I think people just hate the board. If we just try and bring it to light a bit more, more you, on the board, you you've got Ken Knight, the chairman. Then you've got Denis Barabax and the Elgan Singles and Graham Sharp. So there's not that many people. So in terms of accountability, you've got the majority shareholder and then those people. Um, for you, Paul, with, with that statement, like, did that give you any encouragement? Obviously, for, for Dan, Adam, myself, it, 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 well, it, it did for me. But for yourself and Andy as well, jumping in if you want. Did, did, did that statement do anything in terms of like, well, he's laying to you? You know, we, we, we may have seen the corner. Didn't do much for me at all, to be honest. Like Adam said before, um, we know how bad the season was. It was an absolute disaster. And I would say most of the reasons for it 
fall directly at Farhad Mashiri's feet. He's he is the root. I'm not going to say the root cause of all of it because I think the this um, malaise and the 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 rot has almost set in from the club from the entire board. But I think specifically this this season, it was Mashiri who pointed Benitez. It was Mashiri who sacked Marcel Brands. It was Mashiri who sanctioned the sale of Luca Dean, whether you agreed with that or not. Um, only to then sack the manager. Just a litany of terrible decisions. I, I won't even mention El Ghazi because I, 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 I'm still recovering from that now. I don't know what that was. Um, I think I think a statement needed to be made. But I think it could have just been something as simple as we're sorry, we let you down, we're gonna do everything to put it right. That's all needed to be said. Um I'd, and to to look at it from another point of view, like Adam said before, I don't know what fans are expecting. Did did he wanna I, I don't I don't know. Like that a simple apology would have done and a promise to get get things right. My only concern is he's admitted mistakes were made, which well and truly they have. My concern is that we don't learn from these mistakes, as I mentioned before. The things like recruitment, if we don't get that right and we carry on making the mistakes that we, we've made in the past, then we're only going one way. So if he for me, for him to well and truly learn from his mistakes, he needs to take a back seat, keep on funding everything. He, from my point of view, I think he wants whether he wants to sell up or maintain the shares and stay at Everton, he wants to hang around until the stadium's done. And that's his prerogative. He's he's put his money into the club for the, for the ground to be built on Fairfax. But for me, he cannot be involved in the decision, the day-to-day decision-making at the football club on the football side of things. That's got to be left, as Dan said before, to Kevin Farewell and Frank Lampard. Does anyone in here have any sympathy or... Any sort of mitigation towards either Machiri, Bill Kenwright, or, or any of the board of directors? No. In- no. No. No, because we, we were nearly relegated as a result of their actions. So I've got no sympathy at all. Not but anger at the minute. Um and I'm I'm pro- I know I'm not speaking um for just myself here, but they Machiri appointing Benitez. Um, Ken Wright over the years um, you know we've had some good times really one FA Cup final in 2009 we've had some good times it's it, it, it's just it's almost patronising to, like, to, to hear things like that um, for me I've got no sympathy for them at all um, I, I think you I think the talking to Office Twitter account shared the graphic earlier today about um how much the board yeah. take financially and the second to Man United and yeah well look if you yeah, get that point now so I, I may as well just say what the numbers are for the other lads as well keep you haven't come across this so between June 2016 and June 2021 the Everton board have paid themselves 16.2 in in terms of those numbers that's come from Everton's audits of accounts now to be honest, if I heard that without any context, I wouldn't know how sort of expensive that is or whether that's a reasonable amount because I don't know what, what is the, the going rate. But in terms of the Premier League, 
Everton's board are the second most expensive in, in terms of what they receive. Only Man United board a, a director there more have earned more money this season than Everton board. Um so for all of you to come in, boys, after hearing that, and obviously there's been a bit of a rant up to now, does that bother you in terms of not only the incompetent, well, not only does it seem that they're incompetent, but it's quite on the high side in terms of what, what they're aching in. As fans, and those, you know, we don't see ourselves like this, but we are ultimately customers of a business. How does that make you feel when you read that Everton's board pay themselves so much? It's a hard one to swallow, isn't it? Especially when you know fans are working class city still, and a lot of people crafting through the week to be able to afford to go to the game and price it is now to take kids and all stuff like that. To be able to hear that people who have who've ultimately not done the job well enough, and we've as a club have suffered as a consequences. There's some it, it just it doesn't sit right with you, does it, when you hear that in comparison to other clubs who have got in the infrastructure at their clubs in order to progress and become and improve as a club overall. Um, it's just a bit, bit of a bitter pill to swallow in, in my opinion, to wear, but um, I don't know if anyone else has got a different opinion. Well, my, my take on it is, this is this is how I, I've saw it recently with them. They're obviously, for me, not running Everton in a sustainable manner, and I think Everton were quite close to Points deduction if, if he didn't, you know, if he never sold the Charleston by the time that he did, and all their punitive measures. I don't know if it's still the case, but there, there was a point in January where you couldn't sign a player or offer a player a contract unless the Premier League signed off on it. Again, that is not normal. Um, the manager search in January was an absolute circus. It was like the X Factor judges' houses. You had Lampard, Ferguson, and Pereira having to go down to London for different rounds of interviews for people not employed by the club. Osmanov and Tim Kyle were massively influential in who eventually got the job. Now, I did want Lampard out of what was a poor list. I'm not clearly for that shortlist because we weren't attractive at that point because of the position we were in. But it was a scattergun approach. They went for Martinez, they went for Mourinho. They didn't really know what they wanted and they had no strategy. Um. So when you for me when you hear all of that, to, to see them paying themselves so well, I do find it incredible. Just thing to you and Adam on Adam on this, like as fans, like how can we move forward? Obviously, at the moment the takeover looks like it fell through. So let's just presume that machinery in this current board remains as it is. How can how can we trust the board again? What what can they do for you as a fan to think? You know, let's give them another chance here. Yeah. Probably get rid of Ken Knight tomorrow. Yeah, to, be, to, put, to put it bluntly. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mercedes allowed himself to be conned by the biggest Evertonian in the world who goes, who goes the match and receives a salary for going the match. Um, you know, this this man has been the problem for a long time. Um, he promised us to take over, which failed on numerous occasions, which probably because none of them wanted them in there in the first place. They found this lunatic millionaire who's more than happy to keep him in. Um, so that's probably the, the quickest way to solve the issues for me. You know, he's he's made these the poor decisions due to 
financial reasons on a number of occasions now. It's been Rooney, you know, it's been Ferguson, it's been Arteta, um, and now, unfortunately, down the line, it's Richarlison, and it's still happening. And all this has happened under his reign. Um, if he says if he says he's the biggest Evertonian that he thinks he is, then I think he, he should know himself that his time is up. And it was up a long time ago, you know. Um, I definitely, yeah, I definitely spot on. I, I, I totally agree with that. I think if Ken Knight went tomorrow, all of a sudden you'd be, you know, you'd sit up in your chair and go, the penny might have dropped there because Ken Knight, you know, you said it all. There's not much more to say on that other than uh, I personally never forgave him for lying to fans about the Canadian move. We, you know, I obviously don't know what you lads thought, but. I know Paul and I, we didn't want to go to Kirby, and that's no disrespect to Kirby. It's just on the, it just was on the outskirts of the city, and it, I didn't think it was best for Everton. But be that as it may, Ken Knight started saying to fans that Goodison Park will be failing, safety, um, safety checks, safety certificates, and we, it wouldn't be possible to play in the ground. Just lying to fans to try and get it over the line. So that coupled with continuously selling our best players and taking a high salary. Um, can't be doing with him. And then in terms of the board, Graham Sharp is an Everton legend. And, and when I talk about Sharp, I, I've always got got to be mindful of what he's done for Everton on the pitch. But in terms of off the pitch, it just it seems to me he's there because it's it's cushy for Ken Wright. In the same way that David Prentice is is the senior communications officer or whatever he is, he doesn't communicate anything. It's another one of Ken Wright's mates. Denise Barrett Baxendale. Don't know anything about a day-to-day enough, other than I think, looking in from the outside, I think she's out of there. And all the rumours are she's looking for a new job. Grant Ingalls, never heard the Dickie Bird out of him, so I don't know what he does. But ultimately, you judge them on their actions as a club, how they conduct themselves. And um, I think the words are coming back to Brighton, that Ken once said that when a club thinks what they should do, they always think, what would Everton do? I think now it'd be like, what would Everton not do? Do you know what I mean? It it, it is a shambles, like, um, and you've got to make light of it because otherwise it's genuinely depressing. It's, it's our club and we are being ran into the ground. Um, Dan, before we, we, we move on on this, is there anything you, you want to add yourself in terms of? Do you think that there's anything that can be done with the current regime, or do you think we're at a point where the only way there will be changes is if there is a takeover? Yeah, maybe not, like you say, maybe it doesn't have to be a takeover, but a big change within it, like Kenwright going or something like that. Is it true? Like I was just thinking then, is it true the rumour about the City's owners were looking at us and it it fell through because Kenwright couldn't agree with them? Like you just I've think... heard that rumour, but to be honest, I don't know. So really, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, but I can't, you know, I, I think there's enough to be sorted. I think it's a weird one, isn't it? That could be plausible, but yeah, you don't know, do you? But I don't. He's destroying his own like legacy. Well, he already has, really. But but what legacy did he ever have? Exactly. Oh no, maybe someone who came in and did you know an all right thing at first, but Everton fans aren't going to like remember him well. Whereas I think you could have looked at him and gone, oh, you know, obviously he loves Everton, but now it's like, does he? Because He's putting himself before the club so many times. I think he's into the theatre of it because obviously he's a theatre man and stuff. He likes the drama of the underdog and stuff and he has this romantic view of Everton. But 
Yeah, you, know, if you I, want trophies, you want results. You don't want to be that story every time. Like, yeah, the, we've you, had... want a, you, you want a ruthless business when you don't. It sounds yeah. ridiculous with this, but you don't want an Evertonian. You don't necessarily want an Evertonian. It'd be great to have an Evertonian, but you want a ruthless businessman. You want Everton to be run in a sustainable way and have a sustainable model. If they're an Evertonian, great, but there's enough Everton fans in the ground anyway. We'll get them over the line. If you've got a shrewd businessman that doesn't like football but knows how to run a business, that'll do. John Henry knew nothing about football when he bought Liverpool, but what he's done is he made sure he put people in place who knew enough about football. Machine, I think that's the biggest mistake Machine made, is that he came in with limited knowledge and he didn't surround himself with proper football people. Do you know what I mean? I think that's probably... For me, though, with um with this with this takeover, I still think that Everton will be taking over this summer. Um, I just don't see it being uh, Pete Kenyon and the American um, consortium that have come in. And the way I feel about it, it was the same when Mishiri took over. Um, it was John Moores, John J. Moores, whoever it was, who, like, his name is frequently mentioned in the papers, and everyone assumed it would be him who bought Everton. And then Farhad Mashidi came out and over and and became the majority shareholder. I think the same will happen again. Um, a lot of journalists are saying that there's two or three groups um, who were talking to Mashidi about buying the club. For me personally, I think I think Peter Kenyon is the type of chairman or no, the type of figure that Everton would need as a football club because he he is a football man. Um, He's been successful at Man United and Chelsea, and I think someone like him working at Everton would be great. The two American fellas, um, I don't know enough about Kaminsky, um, except he's he's worth a lot of money. Uh, John Thornton, again, earns a lot of money, but from a personal point of view, I wouldn't be touching him with a barge pole just because of who he's associated with, and Nigel Farage, Steve Bannon, Donald Trump. Um, and look, I, I'm, not, I'm not naive. Like, I know the... There's a lot of sports washing going on at the minute. Newcastle have got Saudi Arabian money and they probably couldn't care less where the money comes from. Um, to an extent, I don't care. If if a, a Qatari consortium bought Everton tomorrow, I'd be over the moon. Um, I just want Everton to be in a position where, as Peter said, as we've all said on here, um, we've got enough money to run the club, to sustain a proper challenge um, and and, and not make Everton an opportunity to progress and kick on by having a strong-minded businessman in there. Daniel Levy, um, as an example, um, very, very, very tight with his money. Um, and I know the, the Tottenham fans, I've criticised them a lot for not spending money. This season, this summer, they backed on Antonio Conte. They gave him £150 million. They made some really good signs, I think, in Perisic, Richarlison. And... I think they've had our pants down with Richardson. They they lowballed us. They've got him on the cheap, and they've got a very a very scary attack for next season now. So, you know, I'm, just sorry to cut in on that, but I, I agree with you on Levy. I think Levy in January, whenever can call him for Deli Ali, I think Levy could see. Knew. Yeah, he knew. He, he knew. He knew one or two things. He either knew Everton would go down, and we would have to sell the Charleston for anything. Or Everton to survive, we still need to sell him at a cut price fee. And I think that mm. um, I think Levy's played the long game with it. Go let them have Ali for free, and then we'll come calling for the Charleston. Because obviously, 
Kenlai going down there to be winding while he lives down there anyway, but being winding down by Levy and then Dries had a bit for coming in with all kinds of top and shite for us to consider. Levy, I think you're right with Levy. I think he, he, he runs rings around Kenlai. He always does. He's going to be an ad and you know. Remember um, the, um, the gentleman's agreement thing he said he had with Harry Kane? Like, they obviously had a real contract, but then apparently there was a gentleman's agreement. Yeah, that would have been real if it was Ken Wright. He yeah, would have actually, no <laughs> actually had a yeah. and stuck to it. Whereas you got Levy, who's like, I don't care, you know, I'm a I'm a businessman. Yeah, I, Levy's. I, I'd imagine Dan. I'd imagine Levy's a proper snake, but like, yeah, whether Tottenham fans love him or not, at the end of the day, Tottenham have saw their team in the European Cup final, which is incredible because they're no big, bigger than Everton. They've they've got that massive stadium, which looks like it's one of the best in the league. You've got the country's number nine up front for them. You've got world class players in in some beside them. I don't think the Charleston there yet, but I do think the potential is there for them. So even if you criticise them, the, the evidence is there, and this is why when people you know mention a potential legacy with Kenai, well, what's Kenai got? You know, an O nine cup final, and the good times he's probably all about is when boys punch above his weight. You know what I mean? It's it's deflating really when you're analysing compared to, to other people. Um, but look, I, I think I'm sensing from from the chat that we're all in agreement really with where, where we stand with this board. Um, obviously, there's the 27 campaign and that that's divisive, and I don't want to, you know, put anyone on the spot because as talking to you know, I, I personally do support them, but I, that's not to say you guys do want to make that clear. Because I think even though people might support the idea of challenging them, there's then ways of how to go about it. Obviously, you walk out the ground against Arsenal early, people didn't like that. Banners up, people don't like that. So obviously, there's ways of, of challenging the board, which fans can differ with. But, you know, whether you, you're sort of part of a, a group or you're sort of solo in your views about what you want for the future, if there is no takeover as a fan... What what do you have a plan of of opposing the, the current regime or is it just a case of it is what it is? There's nothing you could do. Obviously, one of the lads in, in our WhatsApp chats has made that clear that as fans we can't do anything. Let's just leave it. But if you lads have, have any sort of staunch ideas of your own that you would like to you know talk about or, or any ideas that you'd like to do in terms of maybe. And a friendly Blackpool making a banner, making a clear that you want Ken Wright out, or you know, what what are your views? You know, Adam, for you, how do you see it in terms of what change can be made? It's difficult, really, isn't it? I mean, we've been banging this drum for a long time. Um, maybe not as much pressure on um, as we've got now, but that's probably only because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. I mean, we haven't come this close under Ken Wright since he got got appointed really, um, maybe once. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's hard. I mean, he's a very intelligent man. It's no coincidence that he was outside the main stands for the first time in, in years on the same day we were having a protest in the Gladys Street, which I was there for. Um, he's a very, very intelligent man and he knows what's going on at the club. Um, I genuinely do believe that there, there are people who will listen to these spaces that go on on Twitter and we'll keep the club up to date because why wouldn't you? If, if people are banging the drum to get you out and are plotting 
to do something called your death, you'd be you'd be sending people to go in and find out what's going on as a just as a general a genuine person, not even as a businessman. Um, yeah. in terms of things that we can do to move forward to 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 maybe help push them out the door. In a in a pessimistic sense, I don't really think there's anything that we can do. I think we we've just got to keep doing more of the same. Um, even when things are going well. Um, there was a time last season where the argument was made that they probably would knock it on the head until we secured safety, which I did agree with. There's obviously a time and place for it. Blackpool may be a good place to start or to even continue what what's the foundations that are being laid. Um, but it's, it's, it's difficult, really. I mean, if I had the magic formula, he'd be gone tomorrow, so it's hard for me to to say, I mean, there's a lot of creative people out there who can think of think of these ways forward, and obviously yourself in the 27 campaign. It's a it's a big group of influential people who are in there who are discussing matters generally. So, um, we've just got to hope that eventually he takes the straw on the camel's back and yeah. gets pushed out the door. Do you know? Do you know? It is. It is hard, and like you're right, there is a time and place for it. When we're doing well, it, it's even harder to do as a fan. But I'll tell you what is crap. We've been doing this podcast now for, I don't know, how long, maybe an hour or so. No one's mentioned Frank Lampard. We haven't even talked about that on manager because everything comes back to the same people at the football club and it's rotten. You know, we were talking about which best player we'd rather sell, but we haven't even had a chat about how do you think we're going to play next season? You know, are we going to go with three centre-backs or, you know, three forwards? It, it, it's that toxic and bad at the club that we can't get away from that at the top but I do agree with you I think it's hard because what do you do at the start of a summer at the start of this season we're going up to Blackpool it could be seen as the worst in the world if you've got banners demanding people out because it, you know it's probably not going to help Lampard and Delwell you know Delwell it's his first summer Lampard it's his first post-season beginning of pre-season but then if you do nothing you know, most feel complacent if you just sit and do nothing. So it is hard. Um, but look, I just, think... just to continue what you just said there, sorry, just in terms of Lampard, yeah. one thing that I will say that the board has done positively is get not necessarily Frank Lampard, but a modern style, young, hungry manager with something to prove. Yeah. Um, like, that's what everyone's been asking for, probably since it went sour with Martinez. Um, the way they've done it was probably couldn't have been any more wrong. Like I said before, it would have been best to do all the business behind closed doors and not let everybody have daily updates of what stage of the interviews they're at or have the lunatic on Sky Sports News, given what's gone on. Um, but then you find you find yourself sitting there thinking, you know what, we've got a good manager in there and he's going to give you the chance. Maybe we can progress. And then they put Graham Sharp on the board, which is just one step forward, two steps back for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm too young to remember Graham Sharp, so I don't share the positive thoughts that you have of him, Peter, but... I think, as a person on the board, I think one of you touched on before, we need football, businessmen, people, and Graham Sharp should be doing the stadium tours and not making day-to-day businesses. No, it, look, I'm, I'm the exact same. Yeah, I'm the exact same as you. I'm, I'm probably older, but I, I don't have those memories neither, but I've obviously got the stories being passed down, and I've got enough respect to, you know, to criticise him in terms of, I know he's a legend, but I agree with you. I don't understand how he's on the board of directors. Even Marcel Brands, how, how he was he was a questionable director of football and then he was put on the board. It, that's a stunk. 
But you, you are right, and you know, credit where it's true with Lampard is the one thing that I've enjoyed going going the game later on in the season is he was a young up and coming manager. Uh, he is a young up and coming manager, but he had that connection with the fans and he, he, there was that closeness. And you know, I it does sort of rub me up the wrong way when I see them across the park and him with the gorilla punches on his chest. But then when Lampard comes over to us and he's acknowledging the fans, you know, it is a, a buzz. You, you do buzz off it because, especially the last few years, we just haven't had a manager we could identify with. And I didn't think I'd be saying this, but especially with being you know, a company from, you know, a Chelsea lab, but he's trying. You, you can see he's trying to get the club and understand it. And I think he knows where we were. We should never have been. So on that, points in his positive and I think probably moving the podcast on I think we should get it back to on the pitch matters because ultimately you know we're not businessmen here we're not accountants you know we are football fans so we have made our first summer signing in James Tukowski. Um well yeah I'll put it to you lads what, what's your thoughts on him? Great on him in my opinion Um I think it was sort of a no-brainer, to be honest. Now, like I said before, we've got to be looking at younger players, obviously with resale value. But I think looking at our defence, you've got Ben Godfrey, relatively young, Mason Holgate, who's not quite established himself as a number one centre-back at Everton. Um, you've got Michael Keane, who, if you want to be polite, blows very hot and cold. And then, like obviously with me, I would say he's our best centre-back, but it's getting him out on the pitch. So, for me, we needed a proper centre-back in. And when, I mean, I had this conversation with you back in April, Peter, um, and you, Tarkovsky was out of contract at Burnley, and in all likelihood, I probably thought he'd run it down. And for me... It's a no-brainer to bring in a player with his experience. who is 29, and I think at centre-back, you can get away with having a few years on everyone else. Um, he's solid, hard tackling. And I think, obviously, under Dyche at Burnley, we've not really seen much of it. But prior to that at Brentford and Oldham Athletic, he had quite a reputation as a ball-playing centre-back as well. Um, I think it's a really good signing. Um Free transfer, so we're paying nothing but a wage and we're getting a really good defender in. So, very happy with it. Where he fits with Lampard, I mean, there have been suggestions playing three at the back. I, I don't know what way he wants to go with it, but I think you can either play in a 4 4 2 or if you are to go three at the back and put him in with maybe Mina or Keane or Godfrey, then I think with him as well, we're getting someone who leads by example. He was like quite vocal on the pitch. I don't think he was captain of Burnley, but he stepped in when Ben Mee wasn't available. So I've I've got no complaints with the standard at all. I think it's very clever. And if anything, I'd actually give Everton credit for, for making a smart signing this summer. Like still be continues now with everyone else. Yeah, I'd say it was a sensible signing, um, given that he has experienced the Premier League as well. Um, you know. I personally believe that we are going to. I've never seen us. I've never seen us play it, and it it work out well. But I do think we're going to move towards that three centre half and two wing backs, uh, especially with Myelin Cole and hopefully Patterson uh, get featuring this season. 
Um, so I think it's a sensible move. Um, I think we're actually going to see a, a lot better Michael Keane this season. I think he started the season quite ropey last year, um, but obviously the season before he was fantastic. And I think we're going to see under Lampard a, a better Michael Keane with him as well. I can see him having a strong season because Tarkovsky is a lead, in my opinion, is a leader. And I think Keane playing alongside him, that'll do Keane's game good and hopefully Godfrey coming back in as well. Um, you know, after the few injuries that he's had and, you know, talk about him not being the same after COVID. Uh, it was an area we needed to improve in, so I think it's a, it's a sensible buying and hoping that he, he improves the players around him as well and brings a little bit more of that leadership into the back line. Yeah, I agree with Adley, actually. I do think we are moving towards Bruce and Parks. Um, and I also agree that it doesn't seem to work that, that often for Evan, but, but it did work at times. Um, I can't agree with Michael Keane. And when I say this, you know, I, I, one thing I give him, I think that goal against Palace went under the radar. I thought that was an unbelievable goal from him, the technique. And it was massive in Evan's history, so got to take it off to him. But, I think with Keane, he'll always be that player. He'll always have mistakes in him. He'll always come good and then he'll let you down. That's just him. I, I don't think there's anything Lampard can do about that issue for me. I'd love to be proved wrong, obviously. But I think for, for me with Sikowski, I think I didn't realise it, to be honest, but Everton put some stats up. And he's won the most aerial duels last season. The most blocks, second most clearances and second most header clearances. And as you say, I'm the captain, he's a leader, an experience. Now, I know with those stats, they're obviously going to be higher because he's in a team that defends more because they're not as good. But, you know, that, that is, in that league, you know, they, they are quite impressive. And I think, as you say, Paul, I think 29% are quite good. Um, just wanted to ask you, though, um, start with you, Adam. 29, four-year contract. Obviously, he's a free, but... Do you think a four-year contract maybe we're still not learning all of our lessons, or do you think because he's on a free, really we shouldn't really be that advanced about it? I think, like Paul said, with with a with a centre back, obviously the age isn't really too much of a concern for me. Um, I think obviously you, if you've got someone like Ben Godfrey next to him, you'll get a, you won't have to do much, and you'll you'll get a good solid performance out of him. Um, I mean, getting him on a free, I don't actually know how much wages we've offered them. Um, I assume it'll be higher than what you'd expect, obviously, with given the no transfer fee. Um, four years, I can see the argument as to why people would be a bit annoyed with the recruitment. And to be honest, like I said before, uh, it's, a, it's a link that you would assume we were going to get linked with as soon as Burnley went down. It doesn't necessarily excite anyone too much. Um but the worst case scenario is I suppose that he's a consistent performer. He plays really well. And it gives us a bit of a standpoint to be offered a good substantial bid for him to actually make some money, which is a rare occasion. I mean, you don't want to offer him a two-year deal and light it up and still have another two to three years where he could do a job and we miss out. So we'd either have to offer him a bigger contract on higher wages, even though he'll already have um, high wages already and miss out on this on a face. So it's it's a it's probably a safe point that Everton have taken and I can completely understand why. Um I mean yeah, in, in relation to Tarkowski as a whole, I, I like him. Um he's probably if I was gonna take Burnley centre back, he would probably be the one I'd take out of him and Ben May. Um he's 
big off the pitch. You know, I would, he's built like an absolute freak machine, which I've got no problem with. Um, and I wouldn't be wouldn't be annoyed if he gives if he gives him the armbands pretty much straight away because we don't have any leaders on the on the on the pitch already. And I think he'd be a really integral part of the spine of the team that we need to rebuild as soon as possible. Yeah, Charles, and obviously it's only rumours as well, but the talk is that we're trying to sign him to an captain as well. Don't know a lot about him, but it, it just shows you, doesn't it, that you know maybe Lampard is focusing on on bringing characters in. Uh, for me, I think you're right. There's no leaders I give Pickford the arm on, um, because only because I don't see Coleman start next season. Um, we touched on it there about potentially going three centre-halves. I don't know about you lads, but I, I think Yerry Mina's going this summer. Um, I don't have any inside knowledge on that. It's just, I, th- I do think up until Tukowski signed, I thought Mina was our best centre-back. Um, and I don't think, for me, that's necessarily a good thing because I don't think Mina's that good defensively. I just think he's the best of a bad bunch. But I think he missed so much football that I don't think Everton can afford to carry him. Um, so I, I think, for me, probably looking at maybe Tukowski, Godfrey, Keane, or Tchaikovsky, Godfrey, maybe someone like Mikhalenko being brought in, or, you know, I don't know if Lampard will trust Coleman for another season, but I just can't see any mean of staying. Um, obviously, it's unclear at the minute, though, what, what our transfer budget's going to be because of who's running the club. Um, obviously, we don't really know the lay of the land with, you know, our profit sustainability and the rules. Um but if Lampard is given, you know, a decent budget, is there any areas on the pitch or any particular players that you'd like to see come into the club? You know, start with yourself, Dan. You know, we've got the ball rolling there with Tchaikovsky. Is there any actual player or just a position that you want to see Everton improve on or, or make a priority? It's got to be like a just a solid midfielder. We haven't had that since, like... Well, I don't know. When well, just a gay left, I don't think we've ever really replaced him. Um, we've got we've just got a weak midfield. We've always got a weak midfield. Um, I'd like us to get like a, a bit of a you know Gareth Barry or something in and just have that strong player that you know is going to be there every week. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird one, isn't it? We need we've needed to strengthen in that area for a long time. So I think that's like, if if I was gonna put one priority first, that'd be it. And the the name in terms of like the player, I think everyone is most excited that we've been linked with, which is unlikely, is Conor Gallagher in it. Yeah. If it could happen in some way, you know, it'd be brilliant. You gotta rely on things like the fact that Lampard was his hero growing up and stuff. Maybe we could get him on a loan or something like that. But you know, he's the one that. Does excite me, and then um, this this fella we've been linked with from uh, the captain, the Udinese captain. He seems interesting. If we are going for a three, I think he'd be good in, on the right side of a three, from what I've read about him. Um, but like you say, I've never seen the three at the back work for us, so I'd be interested to see if it could work with a player like that coming in. Because the the problem with us for years, I think, is usually able to name your back four before you look at the team sheet and I don't think we've been able to do that for like two seasons it's just been like I don't know what centre-back pairing is going to play today and you like I always read the team sheet out to me dad I know he's the match and 
it's like you never you never you never know who's gonna be do you and even when you do read it then you're working out where the fuck to all be gonna be it's gonna be right back <laughs> yeah, exactly. wing, you know and there's all that carry on do you know what's frustrating you made a good point and i agree with you about the midfield i think since andy and i have been doing the podcast we've always talked about the midfield and we always think we cracked it you know when we signed alan and then the core especially the core we thought you know that was our answer there and in fairness, as much as the manager was a disaster, the first few months of Benitez being in charge, I felt like he was getting the best out of the corner. I think Ancelotti sort of used him to protect Hammers um, out wide on the right, okay. whereas I think Benitez was using him properly as a box-to-box player. But then even he fell off and, you know, that, that, that last game, the corner was dreadful. Like in Palace, I don't know whether it was an injury or nerves. And, Alan's got off the boil and we're back to square one. What makes it more difficult is not only do we need that sort of holding player to bring the ball out, we don't have a number 10. You know, we've got rid of all creativity. So I think, again, you know, you talk about Conor Gallagher, we need someone to supply Calvert Living. You know, you'd, we, like, you'd like to think that's going to be Deli Alley, wouldn't you? But there's, there's still a question mark over it, and, and that shouldn't be there. Do you know what I mean? Um, the way he came on against Palace and he changed the game for play to him, but there's still a massive question mark over him. And I, and I hope that this season we do see the Dali Ali, you know, he can fall back in love with football if, if he has fell out of love with it. The and we can with see Dele the Ali, that he knows there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And the problem with Dali Ali is I don't think any Evertonian is that confident that he'll be here in the, the summer transfer window, which is mad. We only signed him in January, but. It's just something about him that if I think if he went tomorrow, I don't think anyone would be that surprised because he just didn't play much. But I agree. I remember said to Paul come out the ground after Palace, obviously been availing me because of what happened. But I said I keep Ali, you know, because of how we turned the second half, and you know we were down, we were down in the dumps. I had no doubt we were going to lose to Arsenal, and when he came on two 0 down, you need characters, and, and he did show. And, you know, he wasn't like he was amazing, but he just shown and he wanted the ball. And he, he did play a part in getting Everton. Well, I think he played a massive part in getting Everton back in that game. So, yeah, the, you know, there could be a future from there. But when he plays so little in a Sutherland team, you, you're scratching your head. Obviously, Lampard is, is saw something in him at Finch Farm to not start him. But it's hard to know, isn't it? I think maybe now the back tomorrow, aren't they? When the friendly starts, you know, you might get an idea of how much players it are being used. I think going back to when Lampard came in as well, he, he mentioned, didn't he? Obviously, he's got, he has to do what he's got to do in order to keep us up, but there's going to be a different side of things moving forward. And hopefully, we're going to be able to see that. Something that we've been saying for years now that we've lacked that identity, we've lacked that style, um, you know, that's unique to us. And hopefully, now with Lampard, you know, young manager, he seems to get it. He's got that bond with the fans. He can push on and create a, some sort of identity for us. And then we can base our, hopefully, base our scouting around that and have players fitting in to the system he wants to play rather than it being the other way around with Everton. It's always backwards with us. Um, you know, buying players that don't fit into the system and trying to make do with it. Hopefully, moving forward, now we can have a bit of a, a structure within the team and, and signing players based on that. That's what I want to see. I think I so. Of... That when we did. Sorry, Peter. Go on. No, go on. No, you go on. No, I was just going to say I'd like to know that when Lampard come in, it was it was it was he was signed to the area on Wayne and Lampard was probably coming into the club 
with the mindset that he was going to turn us around by implementing his own style of football and attacking football and then a month passed by and then he sort of had to down tools and just sort of adapt in the way that he could get us to play the best yeah. possibly to, um, you know, to win games and in the way that, that we would have to play Deli Ali probably wouldn't fit in the team on how we wanted to put how we wanted to play him. So I think hopefully now we've got a pre-season and he might start to actually implement the identity that he wants us to play going forwards. Ali should be one of the first names on the team sheet because it's obvious that there's a player in there somewhere. Mm. You've just got to unlock him and I hope that mm. Lampard the right man to get the best out of him. Same with remember? different players. Yeah, do you remember? Um, I think that's a sound point you're making, and I remember, like for me, Keane when Ali Keane first broke on the scene, it was him and Ali, because at the time Everton had Barkley and Lukaku, who, who there was a lot of promise of Barkley, but but he was never hit the heights of Deli Ali at that time, and Ali was playing almost as that second striker, wasn't he? Just playing off Kane, and you sort of wonder is that what Lampard's thinking? You know, with Ali, maybe behind Calvert Lewin. Well, I think that's an know, isn't it? Because I, I think you're making the sound points, Adam, is that when Lampard came in, he, he, he was trying to get Everton playing football to keep us in the Premier League. It wasn't what he thought best for Everton in terms of his style and what he wanted to implement it, which was to get results. So, probably will come clear, won't he, in, 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 in the pre season? I know if he's gonna make Dally the the focal point though, I think he's for for me this this summer we've just gotta sort the midfield out, get number six, get number eight. Obviously we've lost Delph and he'll be no great loss, but like in terms of his versus Delph. does he? I think I think Delph is left. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think you lose Delph there. No, he's gone, but he's a body in the squad that still needs a place and so for for me, I think we need like Dan said before, we need some creativity, whether that's someone like Christian Eriksen or Conor Gallagher on loan. Um, you need a defensive midfielder because I think Callum was brought in to do that job, but he just hasn't got the legs. Uh, I think Decore needs a bit of help in that midfield. So, I, I mean, to be fair, I think Kabamon was bought purely for that job and like his, his injury has just been absolutely horrendous. So um, I think if we if we can get that midfield sorted, um, and that's where I'd be looking to make the the most changes this summer for me anyway. Um, someone like Zinchenko, I think, could fill in a number of positions. He'd be a decent signing if you could sign him. Uh, Harry Winks, I wouldn't be touching with a barge ball. I just don't think he's anything what we're looking for. Number six, number eight, or otherwise, I just don't think he's good enough. Um. Just hope again. I just hope the Lampard and Felwell have a list of targets that they've identified, and hopefully they're a lot better than the likes of Jesse Lingard and Harry Wings. The thing is, though, Paul, you just listed off the a real players there, and they all play in the same league, and they all have similarities in that they do not play regular football for these teams, apart from Christian Eriksen, obviously. But Christian Eriksen's Christian Eriksen out of that list is probably one of the only few I would take. Yeah, and um, I think I think. If we had anything about us, we could find similar players to the rest that you just listed off. We're probably better and half the price abroad. In a fence league, yeah. I agree with all that. I don't get, and I could be proved wrong, but I don't get this loving for Zinchenko as a midfielder. He's he's a left-back. You can't get in that team. And I understand that it's Man City, obviously, but I think 
it's a massive world out there of football players. We always seem to limit ourselves to the Premier League. And I just think, go and have a look what's out there. Christian mm. Eriksen, obviously, we all know that is true. We have offered him a contract, but I don't think, if you're him, I don't, I don't think you pick Everton out of the teams who are interested. But I think if he comes in, I think that conversation with Ali changes, doesn't it? Because I think Eriksen will become the focal point. Obviously, there might be a question mark there. Can he do a full season given what happens soon? But in terms of his ability, the one thing I would say though, that game is Everton, I think he gets too much credit for. I think Everton win that about 3 0 if that incident doesn't happen to Brandweight and Everton give him the penalty. Do you know the way Eriksen did boss the game after the red card? He did, but I don't think he bossed that game 11 v 11. But anyway, we were losing before that, weren't we? It was, it was going well. Everyone yeah, that's felt for me. confident, didn't we? Yeah, you wouldn't have known Eriksen was on the pitch just because of how Everton played and the atmosphere and that. But I, I still take him tomorrow. Christ, you know, he's a, he's a <laughs> top player. Like, um, just tell me about yeah. that shocking decision. How <laughs> <laughs> was that not a penalty? No. Bad, wasn't it? I don't, uh, don't want, want to go back into that season. Man. It, was, it was just a shit show, just pure The thing is, is, I think Mike Riley's just got the job, and he is the head of VAR or something for the new season. Oh, Mike Dean. Mike, Mike Dean. Dean. Sorry, Mike Dean. You're right. Um, so I don't think anything's substantially going to change. But yeah, I think in truth, in terms of asking the question, where do we need to improve? You could probably say more or less everywhere, apart from maybe in goal and you know left back. Obviously, Patterson coming back will be like a new signing because we've never saw him. But um, I think there's just the nervousness, isn't there? Because nobody, well, nobody in here trusts the, the recruitments and the scouting system. And obviously, Dalwell is going to need a bit of time before he can be judged. So maybe it's just a case of wait and see. Um, I, don't know about, I don't know about you. I normally get around to the start, you know, coming to the start of the season, and you can feel like that optimism starts booming again. And you always say, oh, do you know what I mean? Look, we're, we do this every year, we get our hopes up kind of thing. But I, I, I could be wrong. I just haven't got that sense from Evertonians this season. Um, even last season, going into the you know, started with, with Rafa Benitez, there seems to be an air of optimism there, which I don't feel is there as much going into this season. I could be wrong. I don't know what you think on that. I don't, I don't, know. I, I don't think the takeover talks helping at the minute. It's that uncertainty over the entire club. No one knows who's going to win there next week or the week after. I think as soon as that sorted out, like as Adam said, an ideal world, Bill Kenwright gets put out of pasture. I think if, if that happens, then a lot of Evertonians, myself included, will feel a lot more optimistic and we'll at least see that the club are trying to go in the right direction. But um no, just <laughs> to quote Kenwright himself, watch this space. The thing is though, like on these spots on on Friday, we saw uh well, most fan favourite player had a takeover. The news come through that it was off. Like, how can you be positive? Saying that, it, we're at the start of July. Do you know what I mean? That, you know, we're not, it's not as if we've got Chelsea tomorrow. Like, there's a lot of time left, but it's just, it's just not really trusting, you know, the, the club. And you want to, obviously, it's our club, but it's just, there needs to be changes. We were so no, close to relegation as well. That's the thing. It's hard to be, usually, you can be positive when you go, you know, we finished 12th, we finished 10th, we might be able to kick on into the European spots this year. I think we've all had a bit of a, we're almost like got PTSD from that season where it's like, you're so close, we were that close to going down where it was like a miserable season and all you felt at the end of it was relief. It wasn't yeah. like, so 
it's hard to feel like we're gonna get into these exciting places. I think most of us, I don't know about you lads, but I'd be happy with like just get watching us grow into a bit of a consistent team where we know what we're doing. I'm not expecting I say this, yeah, probably at the start of the season I'll be like rubbing my hands together thinking we might do something. But I'd be you know, if we finish mid you know, like twelfth again, but we've showed signs of moving somewhere. It, you've got to look at it in perspective and go, that's actually, you know, positive signs for us. But yeah, that's right not now, something to get 12. you excited, is it? It's yeah, not. I'd say 12th right now. As it stands, we're worse off from last season because of the Carlisle stuff. In my opinion, you know, I, I know I'd like to think we will be better than what we are now, obviously. But I would say 12. What I'd like and hope for is Lampard takes it into the new stadium with a way of playing and Everton have an identity. Not just the first team, but from the new team upwards, there's a structure in place. Everton is a football club and known for playing a certain way. Do you know what I mean? And there's a philosophy that's ingrained through the club. So if there is a managerial change, if a new manager comes in, they know we want to play a certain way. Because it's just all, it's a, it's a circus, isn't it, really? And all the ingredients and were there for us to go last season, so... It's going to have to be now, isn't it? Because I, I assume that Hallowell's appointed the academy and whoever is going to take the 23s and they're going to formulate this identity on how to be a lot easier to integrate, be integrated into the first team. So you'd like to think that if it, if it isn't Lampard and it does go to the top, then the shortlist of the managers will be pretty similar. Yeah, and it's got to be tell well. I mean, I don't want to go down that route because I think we're all for Lampard, but just in terms of the long term of Everton, if, if that would swap it again with another manager, it's got to be tell well to be trusted with that process. But hopefully, I've got, you know, hope in Lampard. I'm not necessarily convinced of him as a manager, but i put all my eggs in the basket. He came in and he, he did keep Everton up. So, you know, I, I hope it works out for him. But he needs to tell to do his job. You know, it's hard to judge him with the current crop of players because there's about six different managers worth of players in there, you know, so... There's a lot that'll happen between now and August. There's loads of players, you know, mentioned Mina, you've got Andre Gomez, you've got Gabamon, probably forgot what you've got Moise Keane, that's still uncertain what's going on with him. There's a lot that needs to happen at that club in terms of players going out the door. Um, before we finish, lads, just on a lighter note, I don't know if anyone actually cares, but what, what's the general consensus with the new kids? Has anyone got any thoughts on it? Or just happy it's glue? Not better than the talking toffees kit, is it? No, no, our kit's better. Genuinely, it's better. Like, our kit is genuinely better, but I don't mind the... Uh, a lot of people don't like the white bit under the arms, but I don't mind that. I actually think that looks all right. I but just decided to wipe it and then realised the talking toffee shirt's so got white going all the way down. It looks better going all the way down, though, than just a little bit, but I just like when we mix the white and blue in the kit more. I like that look, but... Yeah, it's 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 all right, isn't it? I like the little towers woven in, but it's not. It's all right. It's not, it, it, um, build up to it was a bit much. I thought it was a bit of a letdown. I do genuinely prefer it without the sponsor. I bought me um my little girl today, and it just looks better without the big. I mean, everyone's mentioned about the sponsor. Should he be on the shirt or not? Like the it looks absolutely huge. The letter S is like literally bigger than the Everton badge on the shirt. Um but the the infant kits look better with without the sponsors on. So kit looks decent. Just I I'm I don't really couldn't care less what the kit looks like though as long as the players in it. Uh 
turning up and actually performing in it. That's all that really matters. Yeah, the thing for me is that it's affordable for kids and that the players in it are quality players. That's all I'm about. Um, I, I know what you mean about the sponsor thing. I think that's I think that's like an ethical issue because it comes down to people's personal views. I don't think there's a right and wrong. Mm-hmm. I personally don't care because fairness again to Everton, in the interest of being fair, it, it is Everton's best ever sponsorship deal. And that's probably why it's so big because that would have been a term. Kit doesn't get the green light until the sponsors are there say as well. So, yeah, I'm not fussed. It's a kit, and it? You know, it's about. I always tend to formulate analysis on the kits, depending on how the season finishes. So, like, my favourite kit from from the past will have been the first year, the awful badge, because of how, how unbelievable we were on the man his first year. In terms you know of last season's kit, I'll probably never look at that ever again. <laughs> but that's spot on. I, I think that's how it works. I hated that one with the, um, with the white, you know, the white going down the side, and it, it looked a bit silky under Walter Smith, but that's because we were shite again. You know, I think that's just the way it goes. I don't think, say, for, for grown men, I don't think we should care too much as long as it's blue. I do hope the away kids have them. Proper love and I'm going to wait for. But anyway, there's, uh, there's more, more pressing things going on at the club, isn't there? So hopefully it wasn't too depressing for, for the listeners. But look, that's the reality, isn't it? At the end of the, the, of the day, you can't, um, you can't sugarcoat where we are right now. It's uh, it's still early in the pre-season, but you know, it does need, or we think anyway, the need to be changes at that club. And talking toffees will keep pushing as well as you know, the social media things about highlighting the the inadequacies of the club. We don't think we're better than anyone. We don't think that we're the mouthpiece of fans. It's just sort of our feeling is there needs to be changes with the club. And social media is a way of putting facts out there. You know, those numbers about what the directors are in, I think fans deserve to know, especially fans that go to the game. You know, fan, you got directors earning more than the other 18 in the Premier League, but they're obviously doing a lot less than the same with the work. But, Anyway, you never know. The next time we record, there might be a takeover. You know. But anyway, that's it for tonight's episode of Talking Toffees. Big thank you to Dan, Paul and Adam uh, for coming on and joining us tonight. I'm sure you'll be hearing much more from them as the season goes on. Um, hopefully by the time we record the next podcast, maybe a few new signings through the door, we start to get more optimistic for the new season. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening and hopefully um, more positive times ahead of the toffees.